a roundup of the main business news from China and elsewhere. This is Global Business. From CGTN headquarters here in Beijing, this is Global Business. I'm Chavanenberg. Coming up on the program. On the move, as millions take to the roads and rails, China's Spring Festival travel rush continues into its second week. Gaining ground, Sichuan province capitalizes on the e-commerce boom with a nearly 20% increase in import and export activities, despite a global trade slowdown. Airport strike. Tens of thousands of passengers were grounded on Thursday as airport security staff across Germany staged a walkout. We're now one week into China's spring festival travel rush. Data from the Ministry of Transport shows railway passenger trips have reached 11.5 million over the past six days, while air passenger trips surpassed 2 million. Beijing, Guangzhou and Shanghai are among the most popular destinations. However, this year's travel rush is taking place amid unprecedented weather challenges. Authorities are warning of the coldest winter weather in 15 years. China's Central Meteorological Administration has forecast rain and snow which began January 31st until February 5th in the central and eastern regions of China. On Thursday, authorities issued the first orange alert for freezing weather since 2010. That's the second highest level in the three-tier warning system. China's leading online shopping platforms are capitalizing on the traditional high-spending season as consumers gear up for the upcoming Spring Festival. Kuaishou, a popular short video platform, has witnessed a nearly two-fold increase in orders on its e-retail platform during this year's spring festival spending season compared to the previous one. Similarly, on Douyin, the Chinese version of TikTok, the daily sales of the shelves scenario products have surged to almost double from a year ago. There has also been a notable surge in demand for products themed around the mythical creature of the Chinese dragon, or Long, which represents the zodiac sign for the upcoming Chinese New Year. According to a report by JD.com's Consumption and Industry Development Research Institute, since January, Long-themed products on JD.com span over 1,700 niche categories, with, with, with over 800 of them experiencing a remarkable tenfold surge in transactions compared to a year ago. People around the country are thinking about what dishes to prepare for Chinese New Year, and restaurants are going all out to cash in. So Yao Tian has more. During a restaurant in the southern city of Nanning in Guangxizhuang Autonomous Region, all 24 rooms, each accommodating 10 to 20 people, are booked out for Lunar New Year's Eve. And one set of seafood dish can sit you back nearly 4,000 yuan, or about 540 US dollars. Also in China's south, in Xuanwei, Yunnan province, this farmer's market is full of Lunar New Year food and decorations. Ham produced locally is a popular delicacy, and booths selling ham are surrounded by customers. Steamed ham and fried ham is a fixture on our New Year's Eve table. And some people are looking to buy fresh pig's legs to make sausages at home. I can sell more than 1,000 pig's legs during the 10 days before the Lunar New Year. At this company in Shenzhen, Guangzhou province, 
employees are busy making ready-to-cook food to cater to booming demand from customers. The company manager says all of their four types of set dishes can be eaten after being heated for a short time. And ready-to-cook dishes are popular choices at supermarkets too. Sales of such dishes at this supermarket have doubled compared to the same period last year. They are particularly popular among younger Chinese who are used to ordering food online and favor cooking procedures that are as easy as possible. Tourism is also heating up during this holiday season. A report by the World Travel Market out Thursday says that China is projected to experience substantial growth in the number of affordable households engaging in travel over the next decade. Additionally, China will see an increase of over 60 million households with an annual income surpassing 35,000 U.S. dollars within the next 10 years. On top of that, data from a German statistic company indicates that the majority of future new travelers will come from China. Now, for more discussions on China's consumption trends for the upcoming Spring Festival, we're joined by Liu Baocheng, Dean of the Center for International Business Ethics at the University of International Business and Economics. Good to see you, Professor Liu. So, what factors do you Hi. think have contributed to this um, increased sale of traditional Chinese New Year goods in both online and physical stores, uh, particularly uh, the, in the lead up to the Spring Festival this year? Well, apparently, uh, people have all uh, recovered from the psychological impact of, after the COVID. There is a, a sense of revenge uh, against the past uh, several years of lockdown. And uh, so gathering and exploitation are really the uh, keywords. Uh, people uh, gather together, first of all, to go uh, for the uh, whining and dining. And therefore, they get more tasty and more choicey. Uh, in the uh, particular cuisine, and also people travel to explore uh, new areas. Uh, the, uh, some of the young people I meet, they go to the uh, particular origin of the cuisine to taste the uh, original and authentic uh, the food and drinks, etc. And then, you know, uh, people are also there to uh, eager to meet their family, their friends, exchanging gifts and playing poker games together. Uh, so the uh, after the uh, all the experience of shopping online, as a matter of fact, they get very savvy in picking the quality uh, goods and compare prices. And all the restaurants are also there to provide more of the uh, digital ordering system and uh, uh, food delivery. Particularly the young people are there to be very much enthused to uh, rely on online um, in, in terms of uh, the uh, convenience and also the quality they server. Uh, another important feature is green consumption. It, uh, actually, actually, the uh, sensitivity over environmental protection for all Chinese people are on a very high rise and they care about the package, they care about as how to recycle some of the uh, stuff that is uh, being left, and also to keep the, uh, them the, uh, under continuous consumption and to support the Chinese, uh, the uh, environmental, uh, uh, the uh, protection businesses. And what are some of the new trends that you're observing uh, of this year's purchases made in preparation for the Spring Festival, as well as you know people's travel uh, and tourism patterns at this uh, Chinese New Year? Yes, I think now uh, among the people I meet, they uh, talk about you know which restaurants offers the uh, the best taste 
they not they do not really go to uh, uh, the for lavish spending simply to show that uh, uh, how rich they are, but rather they uh, wanted to show that uh, how experienced they are as the uh, good gourmet, and uh, then uh, people also uh, build up a database. Uh, even to uh, shop which is the more uh, reliable uh, supplier and which one offers the uh, best uh, coupon uh, to, to consume. So all in all, I think consumers are getting more savvy. Mm -hmm. And then uh, they also care about the uh, rating uh, by the public over uh, certain providers. If they enjoy a better credibility, if they uh, really uh, have more of the compliments from those uh, uh, consumers and they enjoy a larger sale. Then the young people, as I said, they uh, travel to a very, uh, uh, I should say, very unique places instead of uh, spending uh, more time on those uh, traditionally popular the sightseeing uh, events. So uh, they just wanted to try something that is very original, very authentic. And then uh, knowledge is also something that uh, they uh, are going for before uh, they go, instead of uh, simply going there for taking a photo of the site, uh, they do a lot more homework in studying uh, the history, the geography, and also the unique culture uh, alongside. So I should say that uh, more sophistication is there. Uh, with the Chinese consumers and also travelers. Yeah, people are more logical in their spending pattern and also more price conscious. Right. Thank you so much for your insights. Please stay with us for more discussions later in the program. Now, with Spring Festival just around the corner, the Chinese capital Beijing has welcomed a series of exhibitions and fairs looking to tap into the holiday fever. Wang Siwen visits Beijing's Workers' Stadium for a very special New Year treat. A diverse range of goods prepared in time for the spring festival, packed by people in high spirits. Consumers shop around the booths, tasting unique treats, as the New Year shopping exhibition fills Beijing Workers' Stadium with local specialties from all over the country. Every weekend on Saturdays and Sundays, the number of visitors can reach more than 20,000 to 30,000 people. We can reach more than 10,000 to 20,000 people during weekdays from Monday to Friday. From oysters to smoked bacon, there are over 300 booths stocked with tens of thousands of products, spanning not only food but also home furnishing, clothing, New Year products, holiday gifts, and other commodities. Not only can people shop for the spring festival, they can also sample the local delicacies from all over the world. Fifteen countries from Belt and Road initiatives are also participating in the exhibition. I like Russian honey. I said I'd try it again today. My preparations are almost ready as I start to prepare early. I bought all my fish and meat. Basically, we buy fruits, nuts and candies. I'm looking for things with local characteristics. Otherwise, we can just buy them online. Beijing has organized a series of activities and events in more than 20 key business districts, helping online and offline businesses. With the most important festival of the year approaching, more and more people are opening up their wallets, making the festival atmosphere come alive. Wang Siwen, CGTN, Beijing.
China's cross-border e-commerce as a new form and model of foreign trade has seen robust growth in recent years. The Central Economic Work Conference has made it clear that more steps will be adopted to boost trade in the sector. CGTN Global Business has launched a new series, Surfing the E-Commerce Wave. From local government's supportive measures to Chinese shopping sites' expansion in overseas markets, we explore the new growth opportunities and challenges of cross-border e-commerce. First, we take a look at China's logistics sector performance in the first month of this year. Official data shows the sector continued to stabilize since the fourth quarter of last year, despite the easing trend in growth. The China Federation of Logistics and Purchasing says its logistics performance index came in at 52.7 in January. A reading above 50 indicates expansion, while below 50 signals contraction. The sub-indices of business volume and new orders remained above 51 one during the same period. The organization said the e-commerce logistics business is surging, boosted mostly by holiday travel and consumption demand. China's Sichuan province, home of Chinese pandas, achieved a year-on-year -year increase of nearly 20% for its import and export, despite a slowdown in the country's foreign trade. Industry insiders said this achievement was thanks to the city's policy and advanced logistics support. Our reporter Zhu Zhu has more. We are now here at the Chengdu Bonded Logistics Center. In the first nine months of last year, the import and export value of this center topped the rankings in Sichuan province with a year-on-year -year increase of over 6%. Well, what makes this center stand out? During 2020, when the pandemic situation was at its worst in China, we achieved an import and export value of over 500 million yuan and were the only bonded logistics center that can export milk powder to mothers abroad. This was thanks to one-on-one -on -one consulting provided by local government for companies exporting products via this center. This cooperation has largely shortened the procedure for customs clearance. Their location advantage is also obvious. We can see that the highway behind us is towards the Tianfu International Airport. We can reach two international airports in Chengdu in around 30 minutes. To further advance logistics services, many new robotic equipment has been introduced to increase packaging and storage efficiency. After the goods being sent here, they will be sorted into different genres based on where to be sent to. This robot can quickly grab products and sort them in different floors, which previously would cost many human labors. Uh, mm. Our warehouse can sort goods up to 6,000 orders per day and only need one person in charge. These machines can work 24 hours all day long. The Chengdu Municipal Bureau of Commerce also introduced an action plan to facilitate the internationalization of its traditional manufacturing industries, aiming to help over five industry belts go abroad. Zhuzhu, CGTN, Chengdu in Sichuan Province. Now for more discussions on the development of China's e, e, uh, cross-border e-commerce industry, let's bring back our guest Liu Baocheng, Dean of the Center for International Business Ethics at the University of International Business and Economics. Uh, so Professor Liu, what are the benefits and drawbacks of establishing overseas warehouses for major companies like Cainiao and JD Logistics to expand their cross-border e-commerce operations? Well, uh as a marketing professor, I always tell that uh, the prerequisite to market is uh, to uh, make it available and make it accessible 
and then you make it attractive. The, the three A's really play out for the Chinese cross-border e-commerce. Uh, you need to uh, make it very close to the customer because online shopping, uh, one unique feature is its uh, convenience. Convenience in the time of delivery and convenience in the way of consumption. So uh, the uh, warehouse and the storage centers that set up are there really to serve such sort of purpose. The other is that uh, the uh, Chinese e-commerce giants, they are so sophisticated, they uh, uh, make their uh, global network so that they can really synergize with uh, each other in terms of shipment and also transshipment and uh, in order to uh, really to arrange the entire uh, uh, distribution system. And the other is also that uh, they uh, also shop for the uh, most friendly uh, business environment in which they can really enjoy uh, some of the tax breaks and tax rebates uh, in the uh, local government because a uh, part of uh, the contribution is the tax uh, revenue and also employment opportunities. So therefore, this does really help to spread out the uh, entire span of the Chinese e-commerce uh, overseas. But the disadvantage is that, uh, you know, uh, countries do not really have the same type of rules as how uh, they can regulate e-commerce. And particularly now, uh, we do not really have a very harmonized way of dealing with the digital trade. And uh, now WTO is also on a standstill as how to address this issue. So therefore, it's pretty much depend on the individual uh, companies or bilateral relationship that are there to address some of the harmonization of uh, rules and uh, uh, stipulations with regard to regulation, oversight, and also service for the uh, cross-border e-commerce. Yeah, definitely. Um, cross-border e-commerce has been booming and growing very fast in recent years, despite the slight slowdown in China's overall foreign trade. What do you think are the primary uh, obstacles and opportunity for Chinese businesses uh, involved in cross-border e-commerce, uh, particularly in the context of uh, global competition, also consumer preferences and technological advancements? The opportunity is very obvious. One is the uh, continuous the advancement in the Chinese digital, uh, digital technology that continues to feed the upgrading service of uh, uh, the uh, platforms. And the other is the uh, changing consumer habits because the COVID has been uh, uh, lecturing to all the consumers that online shopping is the most reliable and also is the safest way of uh, engaging uh, their conception. And uh, then the policy, uh, uh, many countries and particularly China uh, has been uh, instrumenting a lot more supportive policies like uh, setting up more than 100, the pilot zones for e-commerce uh, on a global basis. And then the Chinese e-commerce giants are also there to uh, explore new opportunities. For example, the uh, uh, electronic, the uh, World Trade Platform uh, is uh, proposed uh, during the uh, Hangzhou uh, G20 uh, by uh, Jack Ma, which is the, really the leader of the Chinese uh, e-commerce, uh, is uh, spreading to uh, many more countries. And uh, now uh, the uh, over 100,000 uh, small and medium-sized companies across the world, particularly along the Belt and Road, has uh, participated and also benefit from such sort of initiative. And then 
the challenge is, uh, is again that uh, you know uh, one is that uh, with more of the uh, small parcels uh, shifting across the border, it's giving huge pressure to the customs houses and also to the inspection and uh, quality control uh, bureau. And the other challenge is really the settlement because uh, the some of the currencies may not be directly uh, convertible and then uh, they need to find a third way of payment system. And then uh, lastly, I think it's trust level because uh, as compared to the uh, conventional trade, people meet each other, uh, you know, inspect on uh, the uh, assembly lines and uh, checking all the uh, credit rating, etc. So much now uh, is really reliant on the uh, e-commerce platform that is there to provide the credit rating uh, uh, because uh, most of the buyers and sellers, they do not really meet each other. So therefore, that's also something uh, rather challenging. Yeah. And as you mentioned, um, international trade policies and regulations are very different uh, between different countries. Um, how do they influence uh, the strategies and activities of firms engaged in cross-border e-commerce? How should these companies adapt um, their operations according to different rules of different countries? And what can countries do together to make this process easier? Well, uh, we have been advising the Chinese government to push forward because China is uh, undoubtedly the leader in global uh, cross-border e-commerce to push forward WTO on the uh, quick the uh, reception for the negotiation with regard to uh, the digital trade rules uh, that can really span over uh, 164 countries. And uh, as a matter of fact, the Chinese government has also signed the uh, treaties with uh, uh, more than 30 countries re uh, with regard to promote the uh, Silk Road e-commerce. And uh, then uh, within the uh, regional comprehensive econo economic partnership and also with the, uh, the uh, CPTPP, uh, which is the uh, comprehensive, the uh, progressive, uh, Trans-Pacific Partnership, China is seeking member with. Uh, uh, there's also a very uh, sophisticated regulation over that. Therefore, the uh, government is there uh, uh, to really to push forward for enabling environment of yeah. uh, cross-border e-commerce yeah. and also for businesses. They also uh, engage very actively with uh, uh, their partner to build the network to pro uh, provide the benefits of consumers and also to push forward their own business. Thank you so much for your insights. Great to have you on the show, Professor Liu Baocheng for us. The groundbreaking ceremony for the China Pavilion at the 2025 Osaka World Expo in Japan took place today, marking the commencement of its construction. The pavilion's design, centered around inscribed slips of China, draws inspiration from traditional Chinese inscribed slips and incorporates elements of bamboo, Chinese characters, and ancient books. This design aims to showcase China's cultural essence, emphasizing the harmony between humanity and nature and China's commitment to sustainable development in the modern era. Spanning 3,500 square meters, the China Pavilion will stand as one of the Expo's largest foreign pavilion. The World Expo 2025, themed Designing Future Society of Our Lives, is scheduled to be held from April 13th to October 13th, 2025.
The Japanese government anticipates the participation of approximately 150 countries and regions, along with 25 international organizations, and expects the number of visitors, visitors to exceed 28 million. Now for more details on that, let's cross to our reporters, reporter Terence Tarashima in Osaka, Japan. Hi there, Terry. So first, give us more details about this groundbreaking of the China Pavilion. Well, you pretty much explained uh, everything, actually. But the groundbreaking ceremony was held on a Friday morning, this morning, attended by the uh, Chinese ambassador to Japan, Wu Jianhao, and uh, Osaka governor, uh, Hirokumi Yoshimura. Uh, Wu Jianhao said that the Osaka uh, Expo will be an important uh, opportunity to promote cultural exchange and mutual understanding between uh, China and Japan. While uh, Governor uh, Yoshimura said uh, he hoped uh, it will strengthen ties between the two, uh, two countries further. And as you said, the China Pavilion uh, is expected to be around uh, 3,500 square meters, one of the Expo's largest uh, uh, foreign uh, pavilion. Uh, and the uh, design revolves around the inscribed slips of China, resembling traditional Chinese. Uh, inscribed slips in incorporating elements uh, in bamboo and Chinese characters. The pavilion will be, as you said, made from bamboo, uh, uh, where the scrolls were written then, and uh, it is expected to uh, complete in uh, February 2025. And what is the anticipated economic impact of the Osaka Expo? Well, that has been a, a big debate here in Japan uh, because of the uh, rising cost of construction and lack of labor and delays. In fact, there's no participant ha has started uh, building the, uh, the, uh, the pavilion until this year. And it's been a lot of delays and uh, there's a big debate how much the economic impact there will be with the rising cost. Uh, continues and and also from uh, the earthquake that happened uh, on January the first that may impact the uh, overall economy and also delay uh, further some of the uh, um, uh, construction there in the pavilion. So uh, they, uh, but uh, the according to the Asia Pacific Institute of Research, the economic impact uh, will amount to three point three seven trillion yen or, or about twenty three billion. Uh, uh, with hopes that uh, some of the rising uh, costs uh, and contracts and uh, and the uh, and uh, boost in consumption, as well as increase uh, in the inbound tourism, they're hoping that uh, uh, they, there will be a positive uh, impact of 3.37 trillion yen. So uh, it seems optimistic so far, but still some economists are very skeptic uh, if it's uh, as large as that. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much for the update. Terence Tarashima for us in Osaka, Japan. And that will do it for this edition of Global Business. I'm John Lennonberg in Beijing.